What's up? Welcome back to the Doggy Juice Pod, changing the way you think as a sports better. This is episode five. It's Wednesday night, September 19th, 2018. And in this episode, I'm quickly going to recap what went down last weekend. Then I'll get into some betting philosophy discourse on the process of how I decide to even make a bet, how I arrive at a bet. And then we'll get right to our weekend action. Really quickly, though, we had zero people go 5-0 and on the inaugural Doggy Juice Challenge last weekend. Granted, only a few people participated, but baby steps. As a reminder, for this entire football season, I'm going to post the NFL Super Contest lines for the contest that I play in on my Twitter and Instagram by Thursday afternoon. And that's Doggy Juice on Twitter and Instagram. If you send me your top five plays against the spread from those lines and go 5-0 and on that weekend, I will Venmo you $25. There's no price to pay to enter this. Just include your total predicted score for the Monday Night Football game as your tiebreaker in case more than one person goes 5-0, and which probably won't happen given the sample size of people participating so far. But just send those picks out to me via Twitter, Instagram, DM, or text email if you know me. All right, so moving on. For anyone who listened and followed along to the podcast last week, you had an amazing week. Doggy Juice went up 5.875 units in college football and 8.95 units in the NFL. That makes it three straight winning weekends to start football season. And although we've had an incredible start to football season, you have to remember that this rate of return is completely unsustainable in the long run. We're going to have losing weeks. That's just the way of the game. But we have to be prepared and keep our bankroll and our unit size in check no matter what. Stick to the process because there's going to be those rough days. There's going to be the good days. But it's how we react to those days that matters. So I pretty much couldn't have asked for a better start to the season. But we will move on and just keep doing what we're doing. And the cards will fall how they may. So to recap last week. In college football, the obvious main story was the hurricane, Hurricane Florence on the East Coast. A few teams did not play the thought they were going to play last weekend, as a few games were canceled. Um, the Big Ten did not have a good week at all. Wisconsin losing straight up against BYU. Northwestern losing straight up as 21-point favorites. It was a pretty bad look for the Big Ten. Alabama. I'm going to be probably refraining from betting against them anytime soon. I had a small ticket on Ole Miss at plus 23 and a half. I think that line just ran too long, but boy, did it look like I was wrong. Right now, I just think you have to be careful even thinking about betting against Alabama because once the second half comes in and they're, and they're dominating their opponent, they put in Jalen Hurts. And they could have Jalen Hurts as their quarterback all year, and they'd still probably go 12-0. and And he'd be starting at not a lot of other teams, most other college teams. So they put in a guy like that. In the second half of the lead, they're just going to keep pouring on the points. So I'm going to be very reluctant to bet against Alabama. And honestly, I'm even tempted right now to take them at a plus price while they're still available at that price to win the whole thing. You could probably maneuver off of it later on because let's be real, like they're they're Alabama. They're they're going to that that playoff. So I would be at least taking a look at the plus price, even though it's so short. But we also shouldn't overreact to that, just like we shouldn't overreact in the NFL. Um, The big story in the NFL right now is Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. They're the talk of the league. But I think everyone should take a chill pill on them, even though their first two wins were very impressive. Their defense is still incredibly bad. And this is a classic time for people to overreact on them. 
Fitzmagic, Tampa Bay Bucks. That's going to be an interesting storyline as when Jameis Winston comes back, I don't think he should get his job back. Fitzmagic is working his magic with that team. But they've also been a surprise. However, there might be an overreaction. Hint, hint. The Bills and the Cardinals, I think you can pretty much assume at this point that they're going to be competing for the first pick in the draft next year. Um, I would even argue that the Bills have looked better than the Cardinals so far, and that's saying something. But, man, that's those are two ugly teams. The Jaguars, they look like a fantastic unit. They probably have the best defense in the NFL, but it always comes down to Bortles. And do you really want that guy in the AFC Championship game against the Patriots, you know, down seven points? Do you want him leading your comeback drive? I don't think so. So although the Jaguars look great this year and they're going to be a contender for sure, Bortles is just what what, uh, holds me back, and I think most people would agree with that. Uh, The Los Angeles Rams, they're officially power-rated as my highest team in the NFL. And I I wouldn't fault anyone for sticking some 6-1 to in their pocket right now for the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I think that number's only going to go down. Um, They, man, the way they've looked so far outside of any cluster injuries, it's hard to imagine them not getting a first-round bye in the playoffs, maybe even the number one overall seed. I have some of them to win the division at minus 175 in pocket, and I'm already counting my money on that one. Um, another thing I want to bring up is clock management. I mean, it's it's been an issue in the NFL for years, but I really am a believer in the notion that some teams should hire, and by some teams, I mean all teams, should hire a clock management expert. You know, hire someone from Vegas, pay him 60K a year just to be up there in the booth, and you, could, you can consult with them whenever you're in question of what to do because the end game clock management decisions by some of these teams are beyond embarrassing and even at the end of first halves if you look at the Bears first half against Seattle Seattle couldn't get anything going offensively in the first half and the Bears just terrible with their play calling at the end they gave Seattle time to run down the field and get a field goal before halftime and luckily that game still worked out for the Bears but that's just a terrible way to give a team momentum like that Uh, another thing really quickly just want to say this what the hell are the Giants doing with Eli Manning Charlie check down I mean it's his stats are padded at the end of every game with garbage time, but like when you watch this guy play, everyone blames the offensive line, but I, <laughs> you got to blame Eli too. And trusting this guy for the next couple years, it's just not the move. Get Just move on. Move on, Giants. And the last thing I want to say before I move on to my next topic is I saw a tweet, a very interesting tweet, that said, this past Sunday, the average NFL QB passer rating was 105.1. Aaron Rodgers' career passer rating is 103.9. And along those lines, points per game are up about eight points so far this season. I mean, granted, it's a small sample size, but overall the quarterback play has been very good, and you wonder if how much of this is the rule changes favoring the offenses and if we're going to see more of this. Um, you know, obviously the, the market will adapt and the line's the totals for games will will go up, but is this an overreaction or not? I don't know. That's going to be a very interesting subplot for me, but so far we've seen more offense, more quarterback efficiency, more scoring. So it's just something to keep in mind when you're looking at your totals moving forward. All right, so the next topic I want to touch on is a very important one. How do I arrive at a bet? Like, How do I decide to make a bet on a game? And for me, 
handicapping a sporting event is as much of an art as it is a science. Everyone has their own formula, and there's no right or wrong way to do it. But the system that I use is one that is very common with professional handicappers, guys in Vegas, or so I believe. What I do is I start off with my base power rating, or my assessment of the the actual team or individual I'm deciding to bet on or against. And this is the meat and bones of the handicap. They're based off my own handicapping numbers, and I only put numbers in formulas and models in football and basketball. I don't do any other sports. Um, it took me years to figure out how to do this, and it's simply too complicated to cover in one podcast, but sharing these handicapping strategies and the numbers is one of my main reasons for doing this podcast, so I absolutely plan on diving into the various steps of this process in future episodes, and it's going to be a focal point of the show. But in order to make numbers for a game, and you don't need numbers for a game, you can have an idea in your head of where the two teams or the two individuals you're deciding to bet on or against where they stack up next to each other. So don't be discouraged if you're not trying to plug in numbers into a formula, and I'm not a numbers guy at all. But in order to make numbers for a game, you obviously need to incorporate a lot of statistics and metrics into your process. And this is very complex. And making bets off your own numbers in handicapping, the handicapping world is called originating. And for me personally, I try to originate in the NFL, in college football, college basketball, and the NBA. The NBA is basically impossible, but I'll touch on that soon. My personal favorite sport to bet on that I originate on is college basketball. I think it's the perfect combination of using statistics and team news, but it also offers softer lines, especially if you're plugged into a particular conference and some of those smaller games, you can really do well with those. The NBA and basketball, and basketball's my favorite sport, but the NBA is almost impossible to make numbers on nowadays. The handicapping process for that is just, it's literally too hard just because the numbers are so skewed with teams tanking and, and GMs finally figuring out the advanced analytics on resting players and coaches suddenly resting guys. It just leads me it leads me to believe that there's so much devaluing of the numbers to put into your system, and so many of the numbers in the NBA are, are rendered useless. So you can basically just shove them up your ass. So handicapping NBA, good luck, but you could find edges in the NBA. It's just really hard because of the trash heap of meaningless stats out there. But if you're able to sift through those stats, you might be able to get an advantage over over the sports books or or at least the market. Um, in terms of the most difficult, though, the NFL is without question the toughest sport to beat. The lines are just too sharp the, and they're tight because there's not much variability. They're all professional football players. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise. The NFL is by far the hardest game to beat. College football, on the flip side, offers plenty of opportunity, especially if you're if you're doing smaller conferences where you can really have a leg up if you're plugged in. And it's, it's really similar to college basketball in that regard. There's so many teams, and usually college football is, if you're a professional sports better, that's probably your favorite sport to bet. A lot of guys in Vegas. And for me, I love college football, but I put college hoops at the top just because I'm partial to it. All right, so after I have my base power rating to work off of for a game, that's not the end of it at all. The next thing I do is I look at the intangibles that are at play in the matchup, and the first and most obvious of these is home field advantage. So in the NFL and college football, typically the home team, you give them three points for home field advantage. And this varies. Um, In the NFL, there are some teams that have closer to a four-point home field advantage 
the Minnesota Vikings, Green Bay Packers come to mind. And some teams have less than a three-point home field advantage. The Florida teams come to mind. And the best example of this is the Los Angeles Chargers since they moved from San Diego. Um, pretty much every game they play at home, they don't really have any home fans there. And the team they're playing against actually has more fans in the stadium. But at the same time, they're still sleeping in their own beds and they're still going about their normal routine. So I typically give the Chargers about a point and a half home field advantage right now, depending on who they're playing. But that's nuanced and that's that's a little more complicated. But generally, three points for home field advantage in the NFL and college football. In basketball, it's the same thing. Three points for home court advantage in the NBA. In college, it's typically more four points, but there's so much variability in college basketball. And this is where your better your edges come into play for softer lines. If you're able to correctly assess home court advantage in college basketball, you can really get a leg up over the market. But typically, just for you know, simplicity, three points of home court advantage for NBA and three to four for college basketball. In terms of NHL and Major League Baseball, there's not really any home field advantage to, to speak of. And then other sports like soccer and and, and even other sports, I, I don't know. I don't have any numbers to back to back up home court or home field advantage for those sports. But home field advantage is a huge part of your handicap. But another thing, other factors to look at include coaching. Coaching mismatches can be huge in college basketball. It goes such a long way. It's obviously, I think it's less of a big deal in professional levels, but in college sports, coaching, a coaching edge can be massive, a massive part of your handicap. Revenge angles is another thing that comes to mind. If one team that's about to play another team lost to them the last time they played or the past couple times they played, they could bring some extra motivation to this next matchup, whereas the other team that won might not be taking them as seriously, so it can work both ways there. Look-ahead spots, sandwich games, letdown games, I... I touched on these last week in the podcast uh, because right now this is very prevalent in college football. We have big favorites on the schedule who may, might be looking ahead in their schedule and not taking their current opponents seriously. So they might be in for a letdown spot. You know, look at Wisconsin against BYU, looking forward to the Big Ten play and not taking their opponents seriously. Same with Northwestern in their game. And then there's special circumstances too that might be part of your handicap. One example that comes to mind it's Maryland at home getting 14 points week one against Texas. Everyone thought Maryland would be a dumpster fire, but they had a really emotional first half of that game. They came out because they had so, they went through so much shit in their offseason, and uh, one of their teammates passed away, so they came out with some extra juice in that first half and ended up winning the game outright. So after you look at all the factors, home field, home court, and all the intangibles, coaching, revenge angles, look-ahead spots, you compare where you're at there to the lines that are being offered in the market. And if the market is pricing it similarly, I'm not going to bet on the game. But if the market's off on my assessment, that's when I will take out my money and bet on a game. After I use the power ratings and assess home court, home field advantage, look at all the intangibles, that's when I decide to make a bet if the market is off the number I arrive at. And it's always important to remember that it's the bets you don't make that are better than the bets you do make sometimes because it's better to not lose 110 bucks than it is to win 100 bucks or not lose $11 instead of winning $10. So don't just make a bet just to make a bet. Make sure that you at least think you have value on the number you are betting. Alrighty then. Alrighty then. It is now time to move forward. 
and talk about this upcoming week's games in NFL Week 3 and College Football Week 4. Starting with college football. We have a few teams coming off two weeks of rest now after having their games canceled last weekend by Hurricane Florence. And for me, I'm going to be looking to see if they're going to be more well-rested or if they're going to be rusty coming into their matchups this weekend. And the big team that comes to mind for me here is West Virginia. They're at home hosting Kansas State. And right now the line is currently West Virginia minus 16. And I think if this one gets to 17, which it very well may, I'm going to end up taking Kansas State plus 17. Mainly because I think there's a spot, this is a spot where uh, West Virginia can be rusty coming into the game, but also the power ratings difference. I had these two teams power rated about 9 to 10 points apart to start the season. So even with home field, that would put it at about 13 for West Virginia. But even downgrading Kansas State a little bit, I still think there's value at that line. And when you consider the fact that Kansas State has been very good as underdogs the past few years and they're traveling to face a West Virginia team that might be a little bit rusty after their two-week layoff, I think there might be good value at that line. Another one I'm looking at is Wake Forest hosting Notre Dame. Notre Dame is not impressed so far, or at least as much as their current ranking in the AP poll indicates. And I think I might take a look at Wake Forest if I can get plus 7.5 or better, or at least take a look at the under in this game too, which I also like, and maybe even isolating it and taking Notre Dame team total under, depending on the number. Another one to keep in mind, I've not bet on this, but I'm considering it, is Texas at home hosting TCU, getting 3.5 points. Tom Herman, their coach, has an underdog. He's unbelievable against the spread numbers for whatever reason, and it's, he's been a very good guy to bet on when, when he's getting points, especially at home. Um, and one that I actually have bet on already is USC at home at minus three with some juice. Um, I've actually bet against USC the first three weeks of this year and, and won those bets, but now I think there's too much of an overreaction on them, and actually the market's gone the other way. And now they're only giving three, three and a half points, depending on where you get the number at home against Washington State. That's basically saying those teams are equal teams, and I think that's an overreaction. So I'm going to be taking a look. I already have bet on USC at minus three with some extra juice, and I think that does have value at three and a half right now as well. Moving on to the NFL, there are not as many standouts this week as there were last week for me. I had those three plays early on in the week last week. And one that jumps to mind right away is the Chargers against the Rams. They're getting seven and a half points. I've already put that into play. Even at a full touchdown, seven points, you could probably get it for less juice. That's just too many points. The Rams are about, for me, about five points power rated better. They don't have as much of a home field advantage there in Los Angeles. The Chargers will be sleeping in their own beds, going about their normal routines. So I think getting a full touchdown on that one is value. Um, also, the Cardinals, I hate saying this, and I hate betting on the Cardinals right now, but the Bears-Cardinals line, just on the look-ahead line a week ago, the Bears were three, three-and-a-half-point favorites, and now it's getting up to six, six-and-a-half. I will be betting on the Cardinals if that gets to plus seven, and I probably will bet less on the Cardinals at plus six, six-and-a-half next week. And I might well regret it, but that's like saying that the Bears would be 12-and-a-half points favored by 12-and-a-half points at home against the Cardinals at that current line, and that's just too many That's too many points. And then another one I've already bet is the Pittsburgh Steelers plus one at Tampa Bay on Monday night. For me, this one is just an overreaction as well. 
Uh, there's been a six-point adjustment to the look-ahead look line here. It was lined at minus five in favor of the Steelers just two to three weeks ago. And obviously the Steelers have had a rough patch. You know, they lost to Kansas City, who I think is obviously no no slouch at all. And they tied against the Browns. Tampa Bay, on the other hand, they've looked like world beaters, 2-0 with Fitzmagic leading the show. But I think the Steelers, they come in focus this week, and they force Tampa Bay to rely more on their run game, which is not their strong suit. Uh, the Steelers, looking at you're looking at a victory here, at least value at plus one with the Pittsburgh Steelers because that's saying that these teams are very closely power rated with that current line, and I still think the Steelers are at least at least four or five points better than Tampa Bay. So we're getting some value there as well. And on top of that, the Steelers led the league. They lead the league in penalties so far, and this is just a classic regression towards the mean scenario. And Tampa Bay as well. You know they they've started out so strong compared to preseason expectations. So I think we're going to see a little regression there. Um, other lanes I have the Lions at plus seven or better. I lean there. I lean Browns at minus three. Lean 49ers at plus six and a half. And then I actually lean the Eagles at minus six and lean the Texans. But these ones are, are not plays I'm going to come out and, and bet on unless the numbers are a little more favorable. All right, so that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. I really appreciate you listening. I will drop the next episode on either Friday night or Saturday morning. I'm actually going to Iowa City on Saturday. I'll be in attendance at the Iowa-Wisconsin game on Saturday night. I'm really looking forward to that. Unfortunately, the line looks correctly priced at plus three, Iowa plus three, according to my numbers. I couldn't fault anyone for taking Iowa plus three and a half when the lines opened over the weekend, but... Uh, I'll probably just be sitting on the sideline for that one in terms of financial investment. But I'm really looking forward to that. And in the podcast on Friday night or Saturday morning, I will take a quick look. It'll be a short podcast. I'll be taking a quick look at the weekend's action and super contest plays. And don't forget to send me in your top five picks against the spread for the Doggy Juice Challenge. Just send those via direct message, text, email, whatever. Post them on the Doggy Juice Twitter, Instagram. And I also have exciting news. We are going to have our first guest on the show next week. I currently have four guys lined up to do guest spots, and I'm hoping to get even more. So soon you will hear from an analytics guy who will delve into the numbers process with me, and you'll also hear from a degenerate who went apeshit after losing money on Triple G and then proceeded to lose too many units on Sunday as a result. And speaking of which, if you watched that Canelo Triple G fight on Saturday... I think you saw one of the best boxing matches in the past five or ten years, in my opinion, in terms of what was at stake and all the pomp and circumstance and the way the fight actually played out. I personally think that Triple G won the fight, but can see how reasonable minds would differ on that, unlike the first fight where Triple G clearly won and it was not a draw. But it was an incredible fight, and I really think they're going to do a third one. Can't pass up that money. So this might even be the thing that saves the sport of boxing, which would make me very happy. But we will see. Anyway, that's it. That's going to do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. Good luck with your bets, and I will talk to you soon. Doggy Juice, out. (laughs) 